720 WGN. This is Miley Cyrus's newer song, Edge of Midnight, which is a mashup with Stevie Nicks's Edge of 17. Here it is. The 773 said that that's their embarrassing song because they're 59 years old. I discovered it during the pandemic, and I've been rocking it ever since. I like that song. Nothing to be embarrassed about. That doesn't hit the embarrassed meter for me. Uh, Sing it loud, 59-year-old man. Still young and enjoying Miley Cyrus. And, I mean, Stevie Nicks, come on. You guys were talking about mobiles, by the way. What was you talking about? The Wienermobile and the Nutmobile. I didn't hear what prompted that. Yeah, uh, so, um, obviously, the lottery, again, drawing tonight so every time kevin likes to ask what would be the first thing you buy so last time i said batmobile oh that got me thinking that maybe i'll just start a collection so i'll get the wienermobile and we learned about the nutmobile from that that's right caller yesterday yesterday. you have an italian beef mobile just dripping au jus all over the stevenson (laughs) instead of oil it's jardinier dripping out the back (laughs) (laughs) that'd be great that'd be a chicago thing there it goes there goes the cheesy beef (laughs) the cheesy beef (laughs) the burn interchange Okay, uh, let's let's move on. Keep on coming in with those songs, though, that you're embarrassed that you love. We want to ask our great veterinarian guest who comes on often with Lisa. So thrilled to be joined by Dr. Dana Varble, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community. Dr. Varble, good to chat with you again here today. Uh, thanks for having me today, John. What's your song that you are embarrassed <laughs> that you love? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I was too old for it, too, but I love the song Umbop by Hanson. Ah, there you go. There it is. Well, It's a happy song. It is so happy, and my last name is Hanson. It's spelled differently. I'm an E-N. I had two brothers. I was the middle one. I am the middle one. I played keyboards, so we... And that was when I was in high school. So people called me Umbop in high school, including some of the teachers, so... Little PTSD coming go. through on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to bring back no, bad memories. <laughs> that's okay. I will sit in the corner and cry for a little bit. But um, no, I, I actually was thinking about you because uh, Andrew was mentioning that you were going to come on. I was excited, and yesterday, mm-hmm. or maybe oh, it was the day before. I work at a TV station in town and for another uh, news organization. And I was actually doing a story on an organization here in town called Cats in Action. And what they are is they find uh, or people reach out to them if they are caregivers or they feed uh, feral cats in the city or in the area. But mm-hmm. they come in and help uh, capture to spay, neuter, and do all the shots for them. I forget what the term is for that, but they opened my eyes to what is – I didn't realize how many feral cats we have wandering in our cities and communities. Yeah, it's a, it's a program called Trap Neuter Release. Yes. And Trap Neuter Release programs are really interesting. It seems for a while we all thought that they would be like the answer to everything. We would be able to really control or reduce the feral cat populations. And they work really well in some areas and some circumstances. Right. We're not exactly sure why. Certain communities, it really seems to reduce the number of cats help control diseases and other things. Um, other communities, it doesn't seem to work as well. Mm. It's hard to know why, but you know, either way, we're getting these cats, at the very least, some vaccines, preventative care. And even that is really important, actually, for public health, because, of course, like any animal, cats can carry diseases that can be shared with humans. So, right. 
you know, it's a great way to get these animals some care at least. Yeah, for sure. And they were even saying, and again, uh, there's different viewpoints on this. And Steve Dale, our resident guy uh, on <laughs> all things pets, I asked him about it because I had heard that there's some controversy about it or some people don't love it. But even he gave it the thumbs up. So I figured, OK, it's probably generally accepted. <laughs> it may not solve every problem, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a hard life for feral cats out there. I know that they can it reproduce is, pretty yeah. early in life, too. And mm-hmm. multiple, multiple rounds of kittens is not necessarily the best answer for our communities. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned Steve. Steve and I had a very spirited discussion about this once over some margaritas. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we disagree and we agree all at once. Okay. But- you know, I, I think there is, again, the, the benefits, at least in in many places, it's something where it'd be very hard in most places, in most communities, to completely eliminate feral cats. Of course. And they do have some benefits for pest control, too. So we always have to weigh kind of the idea of getting rid of all these animals where they're actually might be filling kind of an important niche for pest control versus providing them some care the damage that they can do to things like bird, amphibian, and reptile populations. So all I'll say is it's a tough balance yeah. for a lot of people. And, yeah. and the women that I met yesterday, I mean, they return the cats back to where the caregivers mm-hmm. feed them because there's someone there that loves them and feeds them, but they still obviously live outside to control the pests. And, you know, I think is you know, there's a lot of different opinions about animals and feral cats have different I mean, like I was reading the city code about feral cats. They have their own section in the county about what you're supposed to do with them. <laughs> Etc. It's a lot, but I just appreciate that everyone's hearts are in the right places, right? I think that absolutely the people yeah, that do these yeah, things absolutely, and that's a good, at least a good place to start when it comes to caring it for is. animals, for sure. Um, all right, so we'll tell you what I'm going to put you on hold, Doctor Varble. We're going to have more uh, about some really interesting animal stories and uh, get your take on those, including, unfortunately, what seems to be a, a bad virus that has killed uh, many rabbits has spread to the Chicagoland area. I know that's kind of a bummer, but I want to talk about that first let's get a look at weather traffic mayor how we doing 720 wgn 349 before we get back to dr varble we're talking embarrassing songs had a texter from the 847 say i'm 70 years young and i love the song i'm in love with jesse's mom which we had to say wait hold up is it i'm in love with stacy's mom or i'm in love with jesse's girl because we didn't know which one they Maybe it's just Jesse's girl. They, wor- they both work. The name. They both work, right? <laughs> and I think those are actually both lyrics in it, but it's she did mean Stacy's mom. So, which was a hit song when I was in college, right around my umbop years. So, uh, I, I that's a good jam. I love that. Don't be embarrassed by that. All right, Dr. Varble, we're talking about all things pets. And unfortunately, story out of Block Club Chicago, Kaylee Paydar wrote this one about a disease that unfortunately can rapidly kill rabbits was identified in Chicago last month for the first time. This is the first time I've heard of it. I know, I think you guys have talked about this in other areas, though. What are we talking about here? Yeah, we have. It's called rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus. And it's a virus that's relatively new to the United States. First reported in Illinois, actually, in Chicago, just last month, uh, beginning of July, very first time the disease has occurred in Illinois. The bad thing about it is that we don't get a lot of warning with it. We, unfortunately, oftentimes just buy rabbits that have suddenly died. Hmm. Um, sometimes we'll see a little bit of bleeding from the nose or eyes, but more often, unfortunately, we just see rabbits that have died. Yeah. Now, good news is, 
there's actually a vaccine for it. This virus is new to the United States, but it's been in other parts of the world, including Europe, for a long time. So we've been allowed to import a vaccine, and we've been vaccinating pet rabbits for a while. So if you have a pet rabbit or you know someone that has a pet rabbit, have them call their local exotic pet veterinarian. We're certainly doing it at Chicago Exotic to get more and more rabbits protected against this virus so we don't see these sort of devastating deaths. Well, that's great that there's a solution for pets, and obviously everybody do that. Is mm-hmm. it spreading amongst the, the wild population, though, too? And it's not like you guys can rove around opening like a vaccine clinic that's not easy i imagine right it would be nice right yeah Yeah. Uh, vaccinating wildlife is extremely extremely challenging um you know especially rabbits you can imagine just the the catching them it's challenging and stressful for them so no there's no active wildlife vaccination program anywhere in the u.s that i'm aware of um hopefully someone knows of one if you do please let me know i would love to hear about it but what we're doing right now is simply controlling these with with pet rabbits. Okay. We're really concerned because we're about to head into county fair and state fair season, mm. and a lot of people raise rabbits to show rabbits. So, you know, when getting rabbits together in those situations where there's going to be a lot in one place, there's higher risk. So especially if you've done a 4-H rabbit project, let's get those rabbits in for vaccines as soon as possible. Okay. This out of North Carolina, a new resource has made its way to the area. After a large fire broke out in May, the Pitt County Animal Service Deputy Director says there uh, that unfortunately a lot of animals were impacted by the fire, and now they have oxygen masks that can assist in life-saving measures that firefighters can bring with them when they approach a fire. This is pretty cool. It's very good news. Yeah. A lot of times firefighters and paramedics, they really, they want to help a whole family. So a whole family means dogs and cats too, and sometimes other animals. So it's really great that they basically have the same masks that we have in veterinary clinics available to give oxygen because oxygen is a very safe thing to administer to dogs and cats and pets that have been caught in a fire. It's very good for them. It can help save their lives. So I'm so glad to hear that more first responders have that resource available. We should dive in to see if Chicago Fire or any of the suburbs do. If you're a firefighter and you've seen this in a fire department near you, let us know. 312-981-7200. I'm glad both my brothers are firefighters. I'm going to text them here during the break to find out if they... Yeah, I want to find out if they've got these things. Uh, Dr. Farber, are you okay if we take a question off the phone line? Sure, let's do it. Let's get Carl on here. Hey, Carl, you're on WGN. Hey, John. Uh, Hi, Dr. Barbel. Dr. Barbel... Let me try that again. That's okay. Barbell. Yeah. Is it true that if your kitty cat has not been vaccinated for rabies and contracts it via bat, squirrel, whatever, that it loses one of its nine lives within a week? Is that is true? That true or is, not? is there a cure, Dr. Barbell? That's a great question. You know, rabies is an extremely scary virus. And the bad thing is, from my knowledge, it's not something that cats can survive. Mm. So unfortunately, it not only takes their first life, but it can take all nine of uh, those lives. Oh, yeah, no rabies good. vaccines are extremely effective, extremely safe. Um, you know, I know sometimes cats are kept primarily indoors and we think, oh, how can they run into these things? But I can't tell you how often we hear about bats getting into houses. Yeah. Um, yep. It happens more often than we think. And uh, cats just being natural predators, even an indoor cat can try to you know, kill a bat that got into their house. 
to, and potentially be exposed. So please make sure to get your cats to the vet. Rabies, like I said, very safe, very effective vaccination. How, how much does a rabies vaccination cost? Well, it varies from, from veterinarian to veterinarian, but they're very inexpensive. Okay. So yeah. cost of an exam and, you know, it's going to be... It, it, the vaccines are usually in the neighborhood of 20 or $30 top. So, and the nice thing is most of the time they last three years. So, there you, go. you know, this is really convenient. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Carl. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Uh, by the way, 847 says the Huntley Fire District has animal oxygen masks. Shout out to uh, Route 47 and folks out in Huntley. They're helping out their animals. Before we let you go, I did see this story, and this reminds me of my uh, brother and his wife, my younger brother. They've got two golden retrievers that are so cute. They have a boat. We're on the lake a lot, and I love that they put life vests on the pups. Mm -hmm. They're great swimmers, even as they advance in age, but you don't want to mess around with water and pups and dogs and uh, and, and expose them to a, a dangerous situation, do you? Yeah, I mean, swimming safety is important for any animal, any person, water safety. You know, we don't think about dogs needing life vests because so many dogs are such natural swimmers. They jump in the water, they're ready to go. It's so funny because we don't even have to teach them to swim, but they just, sometimes they just start going. Mm -hmm. But you just like a small child or a small person, they can get pulled under by undercurrent, tow, get fall off a boat, hit their head, get injured. And a life vest can mean the difference between a mild injury and a life-threatening situation. So lots of dog life vests available. Find one that fits your pet well. It should be snug, but not so snug that it's causing any skin damage or irritation. And it should be big enough to hold them up if they were to get in the water. So take a look for those. There's lots and lots available. Many good brands. Okay. Everything in the pool safe for a dog or no? Is that an issue? <laughs> the biggest thing with pools that we see is sometimes it's just the chlorine. If it's really high, some dogs just have sensitive skin, same as people. Mm. So if you have a chlorinated pool, uh, check their skin because if they're getting really red and irritated, it may be a sign that they're overdoing it in the pool. And I've also seen dogs who are being a little silly um, and they swim and swim and swim all day, and you don't realize they're actually ingesting that water. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah, very rare. But one, it can cause stomach upset. Um, and in extremely rare circumstances, they can get something called hyponatremia or water toxicity, where literally they drink so much water that their brain starts to swell a little bit. Oh, no. Now, it's, yeah, it's an emergency situation, very treatable. Um, so your local emergency room veterinarian can treat it, but you never want to get there. <laughs> no, right. But sure. I, I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that because if someone notices something with their dog, maybe mm -hmm. after they've been swimming for a bit, hey, uh, if they've been swimming in a pool, that could be what's happening. Uh, it's an emergency. Absolutely. Get some treatment fast. Uh, we don't have time for yeah. a question from Greg, but I know you'll be back again, Dr. Varble. We appreciate Absolutely. your time, okay? See you in two weeks. Thank you so much, everyone. All righty. That's Dr. Varble, who does great work. We appreciate her time. We got a break. Then we got news coming up from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom on WGN. WGN.